I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. news out of Virginia Tech this afternoon. Justin Fuente, who had a 43-31 and 31 record in six seasons with Va Tech, is out as the Hokies head coach. Once it became clear the school could not or would not guarantee another year, Fuente decided it would be best to leave immediately rather than finish out the season. Two-storied programs, LSU and USC, each made midseason coaching news after the Trojans fired Clay Helton and the Tigers announced they would part ways with Ed Orgeron following the season. Gary Patterson is out at TCU, and both Washington and Virginia Tech recently made moves and announced that they, too, will be looking for a new football coach. With Greg McElroy and Joey Galloway, I'm Wendy Nix. Happy to have you with us on College Football Live. If you missed it, and I doubt you did, the wild ride continued over the weekend, which left us with one. And that's because... Baylor pulled off the upset. Uh, they knocked off number eight Oklahoma from the unbeaten ranks, dominating the Sooners 27 to 14, opening up the college football playoff race and the Big 12 for that matter. Baylor's defense constantly pressured both Oklahoma quarterbacks. We'll talk about that and held the Sooners to just 260 total yards. So, Greg, we called it. We said we we felt like the upsets would continue over the weekend. They did. Where does Oklahoma go from here? They have all sorts of issues, Wendy, and when you look at where they were going into last week, this was an inconsistent football team where at their best they can play with anybody, but at their worst they can quite literally get beaten by anybody, and that's not a good place to be. I mean, remember, Tulane is a team that took them to the wire at the very end. That team now is 1-8. and eight. We saw them struggle against a Kansas team just a few weeks ago who finally got the monkey off their back and took care of us against the Texas Longhorns, but this is an Oklahoma team team that has traditionally played much better in November. Thought that might be the case this past week. It wasn't the case. Baylor proved they're not they're not just more complete than Oklahoma, but they're actually more physical than Oklahoma as well. They really harassed both quarterbacks and did a great job of containing that explosive big play offense that we come to expect from Oklahoma. So uh, it was an excellent performance from Baylor. Oklahoma still has a lot to play for, but I don't see them going very far given the way they're playing on both sides of the ball right now, Joey. When Oklahoma can't run the football, they're not very good. They become an average football team. Against Kansas, first half, they didn't run the ball well. It was a close game against Texas. Didn't run the ball well in the first half. Texas was winning. And then when Oklahoma turned on their run game in the second half of both of those games, they became a much better offense. And so you looked at the last game against Baylor. Once again, less than 100 yards rushing. They lose. That game didn't feel like an upset to me. It seemed as if Baylor was just flat out the better football team. And we've had question marks about Oklahoma all along. They hadn't really played anybody. Uh, the committee had him at eight in their first rankings, which surprised a lot of people. But if you've watched their games, they haven't been the Oklahoma that we expected to see. We expected the defense to be better, 
hadn't really been better. We expect the offense to be better uh, with, with Rattler at quarterback, was supposed to be the number one quarterback coming in, hasn't been great. He's been benched. And so this Oklahoma team isn't the Oklahoma team we expected, and it didn't feel like a, a upset. They just are not the best team in the Big 12 this season. I think that's fair, Joy, but it does beg the question, then who is best in class when you look at the Big 12? I would go with Oklahoma State right now. When Spencer Sanders plays well, Oklahoma State is a really good football team, and that's been the case since Spencer Sanders has been there. When he takes care of the football, uh, they're really good. Uh, they beat Baylor. So, you know, if, if you subscribe to, hey, the head-to-head is, is really important, uh, then I, I would say it's very comfortable that Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big 12. But we'll see uh, in, in two weeks when they play Oklahoma. We'll find out if Oklahoma is for real and can turn it on, and we'll find out if Oklahoma State is really the best team in the Big 12. Yeah, I would agree with you, Joey. I would say that Oklahoma State right now is number one. The head-to-head has to matter. But if we're going to find a capable number two, how can it not be Baylor? Baylor just beat Oklahoma. That's a team that plays well on both sides of the football. And a lot of people will point to, well, what about that TCU game? Yo, that was an anomaly. Gary Bohannon against both Texas and against TCU, for whatever reason, started turning the football over, which gave the opposition a little bit of a chance. But prior to that Texas game, he had only one interception. This is not a guy that takes unnecessary risk with the football and this is a team in Baylor that can really run the football. So if given another opportunity to face, say, Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, I think they'd be more competitive this time around than they were the last time around. So I think Oklahoma State, I agree with you, Joey, is number one. But I do think the margin between them and Baylor is a little bit more narrow than I originally thought. Well, look, let's take a look at the numbers in terms of the best chances to win the Big 12, when you look at it with a win already, Baylor, uh, with a win over Baylor, Oklahoma State, as you mentioned, Joey has the clearest path to the first Big 12 championship appearance. The Cowboys need to win the last two, and they should be in. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma meet during the last week of the season, and due to tiebreakers, it's likely they could meet again the following week for a showdown in the conference championship. All of that, of course, before we make our way to the college football playoffs, and we got or will get, I should say, another rendition of the rankings. You're looking at the committee meeting room, the committee already making their decision. We'll get week three of the CFP rankings after yet another week where we saw some notable upsets or at least some losses that could shake things up just a bit. Heather Denich joins us now. She's been covering this all along. And, Heather, I'll start with you in, in terms of this. You know, Who can benefit the most from that Sooners loss we just discussed? I'll say Cincinnati, Wendy, and that's because they no longer have to worry about an undefeated Big 12 champion leapfrogging them on selection day. And that's very important because really the more upsets that happen, the more the door to the playoff opens. And if Cincinnati is sitting at number five on the bubble tonight, as I expect them to be, then all they need is one more upset in front of them really to move up, if nothing else, by default. Oregon goes to Utah on Saturday, and ESPN's football power index gives the Ducks less than a 40% chance to win that game. If Oregon loses, we could see history a week from today with Cincinnati in the top four. It's certainly conceivable at this point. Joey, I'll ask you, will Ohio State jump Oregon, or maybe the better question is, in your opinion, should they jump Oregon? Um, I don't think there's any reason for Ohio State to jump Oregon. If I'm Ohio State, I wouldn't be worried about jumping Oregon. Ohio State has Michigan State this weekend and then Michigan after that. And if they win those two games, they go to the Big Ten championship game. 
So where Oregon is ranked or where anybody else is ranked doesn't matter to Ohio State. If they handle their business, they'll get in. If they lose, then they won't get in. It's as simple as that. So they have no worries about Oregon or anyone else. Greg, listen, we've seen chaos all along. So if, uh, given that, there's no reason to believe it won't continue. Who out there, which teams can still benefit uh, from some unforeseen losses? Well, I think there's two, Wendy, and no one's talking about either one of them. But let's just do it on their behalf. Notre Dame is in a really good position. <laughs> Notre Dame did lose to Cincinnati, but Notre Dame right now is playing really good football. They just dominated a Virginia team that's bowl eligible, and now they're going to have the opportunity if things fall apart in front of them. Let's say there's a two-loss Big 12 champion, two-loss Pac-12 champion, one-loss Big 10 champion, and Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship. I think Cincinnati will get in. I think the one-loss Big 10 champion will get in. I think you had a real chance for a Notre Dame to sneak in the back door. The other team I would say would be the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Well, I understand very much it's going to be a long, long road, but this team's worst moment came in a losing effort where they at one point had a massive lead against the North Carolina Tar Heels. And if they can go to Clemson, an improved Clemson team that's won five out of six, if they can go to Clemson, get a win this weekend, and then back it up with a win against Boston College, making their way to the, to the ACC championship game where they might beat a ranked pit team or whoever it may be that could be enough if everything else falls apart in front of them to leapfrog some of the teams that might be sitting in front of them too with that conference championship next to their name so I think Notre Dame and Wake Forest need to pray for some chaos and if it happens they could somehow find the way in the back door of the college football playoff conversation listen you talk about chaos that would be some serious chaos but again it has been that kind of year uh, with that, we'll take it our look at a, our Capital One, Capital One fan vote, which asks you, uh, which top five teams should be the most worried about taking an L this weekend? You've got Alabama, Cincy, Ohio State, or Oregon. You can go to twitter.com slash sportscenter to vote. Still to come on College Football Live, it has, as we've walked you through, been a wild ride so far this season, and the coaching carousel has been a part of it. We'll break down the latest moves and what to expect straight ahead. College Football Live is brought to you by Allstate. Save money like a champion with Allstate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How do you see this playing out? Georgia's in. They got a lot in front of them that they get to play. Style points 
do matter. Everything is supposed to count. It's the entire body of work. Every week matters. Fresh off the loss to Old Miss, Jimbo Fisher has reiterated his intentions to stay at Texas A&M despite continued speculation LSU may come calling. Fisher said he'd have to be crazy given the Aggies could have the top-ranked recruiting class in college football. We're going to recruit an unbelievable class this year, okay? So I'm either the dumbest human being on God's earth, okay, who's going to recruit all these guys to A&M so I can go across over here and go play against them, okay? If I, do, if I did that, you ought, to, you ought to say, that's the dumbest human being. I don't want him to be my coach, okay? But I want to be at A&M. I plan on being at A&M. I ain't going to know. I don't want to be nowhere else. I love being right here. Is that clean enough? Well, it is for right now. We'll see how that goes. Senior writer from ESPN.com, Adam Rittenberg, joins us. And Adam, uh, Jimbo Fisher says he's staying put. A situation, though, that is fluid. Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente deciding to part ways, uh, which means they have a decision to make. Where does Vatek turn? Well, athletic director Whit Babcock from Virginia Tech, Wendy, said he really wants someone who can connect with the Virginia Tech fan base. Frank Beamer did that so well for so many years. I think he's going to really target the right type of personality in this search. A couple of names I'm hearing, Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell, a very bubbly, positive personality. He's done great work at Coastal. He could be a good fit at Virginia Tech as a Tennessee native. Billy Napier. Also a very coveted group of five coaches passed up some power five opportunities from Louisiana. He may be interested in a job like Virginia Tech, a place where you can win and win quickly. And then within the conference, keep an eye on Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson. He's got that program 9-1. and one. They had their first AP Top 10 appearance. He's worked in Virginia before as a head coach at Richmond. So he could look within the league. Babcock could. Also, if he wants to go the coordinator route, Brent Venables, Tony Elliott continue to stay at Clemson. That, that, those two names could, could also surface. But Babcock likely looking for someone with head coaching experience and really that personality that Virginia Tech fans can embrace. Adam, the top jobs out there, one would presume LSU, USC, they often have the pick of the litter. So, you know, what coaches out there will have some tough decisions to make about whether they decide to stay or go? Yeah, a lot of those coaches that are likely at the top of the list don't have obvious decisions to just go, even though those jobs are great. You look at Cincinnati coach Luke Fickle. He spent his entire professional career in his home state of Ohio. And the jobs where he's really best suited, Ohio State, Notre Dame, those are unlikely to open. So would he want to move his family across the country to a job like USC or down south? to LSU. You look at Mario Cristobal at Oregon, has a great team there, but you know, jobs like Florida and Miami may open. He's from the state of Florida. He played at the University of Miami, and he's also coached in the SEC under Nick Saban. So would he look to go to a place like LSU or stay at Oregon where Nike and, and the university have pretty much given him everything he wants? Adam, thank you. For more on the coaching carousel, check out Adam's work on ESPN.com as we continue to watch it go round and round. Washington has parted ways with head coach Jimmy Lake. That decision came on Sunday, and it came on the heels of Lake serving a one-game suspension without pay over the weekend following a sideline incident back on November 6th in which he appeared to strike a player during a loss to Oregon. 
Washington Athletic Director Jen Cohen had this to say, I must always act in the best interest of our student athletes, our department, and our university. No one wanted Jimmy to succeed more than I when I hired him in 2019, but ultimately this change is necessary for a variety of reasons, both on and off the field. For more, we say hello to ESPN.com staff writer Kyle Bonagura. And Kyle, I think the obvious question is here, was this decision made primarily because of that incident or because of the track record at Washington? Yeah, it's tough to quantify what factors should be weighed in the most in this decision. I think we saw Jimmy Lake come in as a as a really highly qualified candidate to take the reins from Chris Peterson at the end of the 2019 season. Last year didn't really count as a four-game season. They went 3-1, and one, but really not a whole lot of takeaways there, right? I think when things started to go south for Jimmy was in the first game of the year. I mean, you score seven points in a loss to FCS Montana. That really sets the stage um, for, for disappointment. And throughout the early part of the season, we saw Washington regress offensively under Peterson. It was one of the more innovative, exciting offenses in college football. It just hasn't been the case this year under John Donovan, the offensive coordinator. But I, I do think those are issues that they could have got through if the, if the off-field issues, or you know, in this case, a sideline incident, weren't also present. So if, if, if it was just the on-field struggles, I think he's probably safe. If it was just the sideline incident and they've been winning games, I think he's safe as well. It's certainly accumulation of a lot of various factors uh, that got us to where we are today. Simply because it was caught on camera, it really was tough with regards to optics. Uh, the next question then is where does the program go from here? They're in a tough spot because <clears throat> this isn't a year where there's only going to be a few openings. I mean, we've already seen Washington State and USC open up in the conference. Obviously, LSU is open, and we're going to see a number of high-profile job openings you know, make the same move in the, in, in the coming weeks, right? So it's going to be a very competitive job market for Washington. They're not going to be at the top of the list. There's a lot to like about that job. It's a great stadium, a great city, a great culture there on campus. But at the same time, are you going to be able to beat out a school like USC for a top-tier candidate? No, probably not, right? So I think Jen Cohen, after going with a uh, you know a defensive coordinator, someone who didn't have previous head coaching experience before, I think she probably leans towards a candidate who has more experience as a head coach, someone who can kind of step into that role and shore up some of the issues that uh, were problematic under Jimmy Lake. You know, whether that's an offensive guy, a defensive guy, I'm not sure that really matters. I think they do want to get the offensive cleaned up. That was the primary reason for the on-field struggles. So, so look for a head coach with more of an offensive background if we're if we're uh, making odds right here uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. To be continued. Kyle, thank you. Thank you. Illinois coach Brett Bielema has tested positive for COVID. He will miss his team's game at number 18 Iowa on Saturday. Bielema said Tuesday he was tested for coronavirus Monday night after developing mild symptoms, though through technology he hopes to be as present as possible. Here is this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW. Saturday, Kansas beat Texas 57-56 in overtime, snapped a 56-game losing streak in Big 12 road games. Jared Casey caught the game-winning two-point conversion to give Kansas the win in a game the Jayhawks entered as a 31-point underdog. Still to come on College Football Live, Saturday brings us another big battle in the Big Ten. It's Michigan State, Ohio State, and we'll look at the keys to this one coming up. Saturday, we'll have another giant game in the Big Ten. Number seven, Michigan State, taking on number four, Ohio State at the Shoe in Columbus. 
First place in the Big Ten East up for grabs a noon Eastern start on ABC and the ESPN app. College game day will also be in Columbus on Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan State, Ohio State, Greg, an early look with good reason because there is a lot on the line in this one. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, Wendy. We just saw Ohio State last week, and there's no denying the explosiveness and the potential of what they can do offensively. I think they're elite at so many different positions. I think the quarterback has a chance when he plays in rhythm to be super elite. I think the wide receivers are elite. The running back is elite. The offensive line, when they play together, is elite. But I still have massive questions right now about Ohio State's defense. You can tell me about the sack numbers, the tackle for loss numbers, the chaos rate, and the improvement that's been made in the secondary, but I'm not 100% sold. I'm not sure that there's been an offense yet that has tested them both on the perimeter and by running the football the way that Michigan and Michigan State will in the next two weeks. So I think this Ohio State defense is still a little bit susceptible, but I think their offense can go with anybody. So a ton of points to be expected for me, Joey, when these two tee it up at noon on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know how many points uh, Michigan State will score. I, I do believe that Ohio State's offense uh, is now rolling. And C.J. Stroud and the way he's playing against a Michigan State defense that likes to play a lot of man-to-man. And we watched Cade McNamara of Michigan, who wasn't a great passer up until that game, have a really big game against the man-to-man coverage of Michigan State. So I do believe Ohio State's offense is going to light it up. And then the other question is, can Michigan State hang with them? Can they run the ball well enough uh, to, number one, keep the Ohio State offense on the sideline, but also have to put some points on the board? I, I thought that Peyton Thorne had to play well for Michigan State to win. Well, he didn't play well, and they found a way to beat Michigan State. They run the ball well enough with Kenneth Walker III that they can stay with Ohio State if they can get a couple stops in that game. Joey, one more before we let you go, because it, it could make a big difference in the, in the overall picture here happening out in the back 12. Uh, what about Utah and Oregon? This one's interesting, and, and Greg, you know I like to look at the lines every now and then, uh, just just to peruse them to see what's going on. <laughs> every now and, and then, every yeah, every now and then, yeah. And, and this one, <laughs> this one kind of jumped off the board at me that that Oregon is is an underdog to a three-loss Utah team, and so these are the times when I think, what does Vegas know that that I don't know? So this one kind of scares me. I, I think that Oregon's playing really good football uh, when Anthony Brown runs the ball as well as he did in their last couple games, then they're a really tough offense to stop. I don't know that the pass game's as important to Oregon as they run it with Brown and then, and then Travis die, but I don't know. Vegas knows something about Utah, Greg. Maybe you know. Well, they've been playing really well of late. Ever since they made the quarterback switch, this Utah team has been a totally different group, and I think they're very capable of doing work against this Oregon team. However, I feel like Oregon's matched up really well against excellent Utah teams in the past. I think back just a couple years ago, Oregon, they all Utah had to do was win the Pac-12. Oregon really had nothing to play for outside of going to the outside of going to the Rose Bowl, which I know is a huge deal, but it's not the playoff. And Oregon smoked Utah that night. And I think that this could potentially happen again. I feel better if it was a neutral side or if it was an Autzen, but I think Oregon matches up fairly well against Utah, and I actually expect them to get the win. What does Vegas know that I don't know? How many times has that been asked across the land with very, very different answers? Gentlemen, we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow after week three of the rankings. See you then.